You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Right now, Chelsea Mitchell is going to share with you a passage of Scripture. It comes from the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. It's actually breaking into a story that has been going on since the very first part of that chapter. It's a chapter where we have two primary characters, Peter and Cornelius, both of them living very separate lives in very different places, both of them receiving visions from God, and how those visions brought these two people very different, unlikely ever to have met, to have had their uh, paths cross, to have anything to share in common, bring them together in a powerful way that not only changed their lives, but changed the trajectory of the church from then to now. Hear this scripture. As Peter and Cornelius come together, and as Cornelius becomes the unexpected teacher for Peter, and then Peter returns the favor. Chelsea? The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Acts, chapter 10, verses 24 through 33. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshiped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, stand up, I am only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago, at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chelsea. Would you join me with me in prayer? Lord, bless the sharing of this message. That is the one who gives it and those who receive it might humbly be blessed by the movement of your Holy Spirit, making of this moment more than we can make of it on our own. Allow your word to be revealed and the blessings and grace that you want us to receive be what become the witness we share in the days to come. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. This past week, I shared with you in the devotions on a, our daily devotional walk uh, some conversation around those who have blessed me um, in their teaching, becoming my teachers and mentors. One of those that I referred to is Dave Tijan, who has 
um, uh, a person in Chelsea who taught through the community ed program a class on fly tying. And I went and took fly tying classes, uh, mostly because a buddy of mine, Mark Drow, said, come on, let's do this together. And I went thinking it probably won't mean much to me because quite frankly, I've never been that much of a crafty kind of guy. Uh, didn't ever like it in kindergarten, haven't liked it since. I thought, oh, maybe I'll learn something about fly fishing, but that's it. And yet, going into that class, Dave Tidgen was one of the best educators, teachers I've ever had in my life because his, his passion for what he taught was, was uh, infectious. His, his ability to share, very clear. His patience with those of us he had to tell over and over again how to do a particular simple task was immeasurable. And after that six-week class, I not only walked out of there being impressed by him as a teacher, I walked out of there as a novice fly tire. And ever since then, I've dabbled in fly tying. I enjoy doing it. It's one of the things I really want to do when I get into retirement. The only room right now that's set up in our house is the fly tying room, so go figure. The point is, is that sometimes you get surprised by those who become the teachers you remember the most later in life. Cornelius in the scripture that Chelsea just read to us was an unexpected teacher to Peter. Cornelius, according to some, probably should never have even been in the scriptural record, should never have been used by God in the way in which God used him. He was, after all, so other than the Christians that Peter was a part of. He was from so far on the outside, you couldn't even see that far. He was a centurion, a centurion who was so identified by his cultural heritage from Rome that it's clear that he would have had very little in common with those whose land they were occupying. Now it says he was a God-fearer, which meant that he was open in his own personal walk to pray to God, but that God, even though he might have been praying to and including some understanding of the Jewish God, would have been very different from Peter's understanding of who God was before he met Jesus, and certainly different than what Peter thought about God after Peter met Jesus. And yet, Cornelius became one of Peter's most significant teachers. Very quickly, they both received a vision from God. The vision to Peter was one where a whole blanket of food comes down from heaven, mixed not only with the traditional foods of the Jewish heritage, but of foods that were considered to be unclean, considered to be not acceptable to Jews. And God says, you can eat anything from here. You've got to open up your understanding of where my grace can be functioning, how I can move. You can go ahead and break out of the traditions that were holding you back that kept you in an in a understanding of who you were as an identity, but now in the world you need to move out. You need to be among other people. And to do that, you've got to begin to see them not as different than you, but as equal to you. And that's the vision that Peter received. Cornelius receives a vision from God that there's this person that he needs to speak to. These two visions make these two men come together. And when Peter and Cornelius come together, it is Cornelius who asks Peter to teach him about Jesus. 
And Peter does. But it is Cornelius who teaches Peter that someone like him, someone like this Roman centurion, someone like this one who has no cultural identity that matches Peter's, that he is one who can show grace, who can show acceptance, who can hunger for God just as much as Peter did. And in the sharing of their lives, in the sharing of their prayer life, in the sharing of the differences of who they were, they found a common bond and they came together in the name of Jesus Christ. And because Cornelius was able to share his life with Peter in that way, Peter became aware in a very tangible way that the vision he had in his prayer life was going to change the focus of his ministry forever. He was no longer simply going to be concerned about making sure other Jews knew about Jesus. In fact, Peter understood his mission to broaden the church. It allowed Peter to be the one who was able to minister with Paul later on in the book of Acts. It was Peter, because of Cornelius, who could even help understand and get the rest of the leadership of the Jewish church to say the Gentile church is as valid and as important as we are. It was Cornelius who laid the foundation for that relationship that allowed the church to grow beyond Jerusalem. It was Cornelius who, because of his simple lessons of humility, curiosity, and openness and faith, that allowed Peter to understand Jesus and the movement of the Holy Spirit in a radical new way. Cornelius was an unexpected teacher in Peter's path. And those who teach us lessons of faith oftentimes are the unexpected teachers. Listen, I've had a lot of schooling back in the day, got the degrees hanging on my wall. I sat under some of the best professors and theologians known at that time in this country. I've studied in India. I've studied in places other than here so that I could learn as much as I could about theology and scripture and church life and church history and all of that. And they were wonderful gifts of God to me, each one of them. I sat under some amazing professors whose job it was to teach me, and I'm grateful to each and every one of them. Alongside them, I need to tell you that I have sat with teachers who had no theological training, no diplomas hanging on their wall, and yet the lessons that they taught me were some of the richest of my life and helped shape and form me. It's interesting that in seminary, for example, I was taught all kinds of lessons about how to care for people, do pastoral care, and how to lead the church. And yet it was after seminary when I went into my early churches and everyone since then, till, including this one, where I learned what ministry really was, how really to engage with people and allow others to become those who taught you. I celebrate still today Maud Spence and Al Anger, the two lay people who were basically the leaders of the church there at the Springville congregation back in the day. They let Laura and I come into their congregation. They encouraged others to meet us and to be a part of us. And they helped, gave me pastoral responsibility before I even really had earned the right. And with their grace-based and yet very clear guiding of this young preacher who thought he knew everything but didn't know much of anything at all, really, they helped guide me to know how to care for people, 
how to help run a church like that church, and how to let laity be the leaders because they knew in a church that size over their entire history, they'd never kept anybody that long, so the laity had to lead the church, and the clergy person didn't come in and be all that, but became a partner in ministry. Alan Maud probably never fully understood the extent to which they helped shape who I am today still as a pastor. And I give God thanks for both of them as being unexpected teachers. And in every church I've served since then, I've had those people in my life. And you have too, haven't you? You can think of all the people in the church, outside of the church, who have taught you lessons that you did not expect to learn from them. When those moments happen, it is because we have established a relationship with each other where we're willing to listen to each other, where we are curious about what the other one's experience has been, what we can share with each other, and what we can learn. And that is the gift that we need to stay focused on and claim in our life today. Sadly, all too often, that's not what the church has been. And that's not what this culture is teaching as a basic way of living our lives. Henry Nowen uh, talked uh, about the relationship between teachers and students. He says this, The good teacher is the one who not only helps others to see that they have hidden talents, but who also is able to help them develop and deepen these talents so that they can continue their way on their own with a renewed self-confidence. And then later in the same book, Reaching Out, which is one of the core books of my life, he says this, If there is any culture that has succeeded in killing the natural spontaneous curiosity of people and dulling the human desire to know, it is our technocratic society. I would agree with Henry Nouwen that we have tried in some ways to organize education and learning in a way that has crushed the opportunity to celebrate curiosity. It's true not just in education, it's true in the church. All too often, people look at the church as a place of dogma and structure, and you get in here so we can help shape you and form you. We can fix you. That wasn't the way Jesus shared his faith with others, shared life with others. Jesus was known as a teacher. You and I both know that. And you may know that in that day, the basic form of teaching was a form of question and answer, question and answer. The rabbinical school of thought was you get taught the right questions and gave the right answers. But Jesus took it to a whole new level. Jesus, in talking with people, asked them questions, received their questions, and sometimes didn't give the answers. And that's frustrated us. From that moment till now, aren't there some places in Scripture you've read where you just, Jesus, can you just tell us? But Jesus didn't just tell us because Jesus came for us to be educated in a way that says, it's not about right answers, it's about figuring out how to live your life faithfully in the day-to-day. It's about staying open, curious, seeing the lessons that God gives us along the way. There's no answer sheet that Jesus came to give us that would lock us in to keep our life pure and perfect. Rather, Jesus came to give us relationship with God, relationship with each other, where our curiosity and our deep faith come together to grow and learn with each other, to understand the new people who come to us are, in fact, our teachers. 
We are blessed by those people. My hometown pastor who called me into ministry, Dalton Bishop, saw in me hidden talents that I had no idea I had. No one else had said, hey, Rick, I think you can do this. But he did. And he did so not with any sense of pressure, but open invitation and conversation. He let me find it out for myself as he sat there beside me and encouraged me. The most amazing teacher of my life, although the reality is most people saw him as fairly quiet, sort of passive. He wasn't passive. He was patient. He was encouraging. And he had time for me to figure it out. In the church today, we need more of that spirit. We need to claim for ourselves a hunger and a desire to not live on past learnings, but every day to be open to seeing what God is revealing to us in this moment. And the truth is, at least in my life, I wonder about yours, some of the most unexpected teachers are the ones who have wounded me. The ones where we didn't get along, we didn't work it out. And I learned more about myself, not about what was wrong with them and how come they couldn't see it, but what was the truth about me in that moment where perhaps I failed them or perhaps I learned more about who I was as I differentiated myself from others and took a stand even though I knew it might not allow us to stay together the lessons that I've learned from those where I've been in conflict with them are lessons all the same. And I continually ask God's forgiveness. I pray forgiveness from those that I've been in conflict with where we couldn't work it out. Sometimes that happens. But hopefully we never walk out of those kinds of situations just saying, well, those people were just idiots. They just didn't get it. Hopefully we walk out of those situations reflecting on what we said, what we did, what we learned about ourselves so we can be better, stronger, more faithful, more open, more compassionate, more merciful in situations and relationships to come. People come to us in our life, and I have a belief that all of them in some form or fashion are our teachers. They may not even realize that. They may not even think of themselves that way but we can learn from each other. Sometimes reinforcing lessons that we've learned in the past, and sometimes discovering new understandings of God's grace. Cornelius was Peter's unexpected teacher. Who are the unexpected teachers that God is putting in your path right now that you could learn from if only you were curious enough to take the time to listen and engage with them? The church needs to be that place where people can come together celebrating their knowledge of Jesus Christ, but always recognizing nobody has full knowledge. We can learn from each other. We can grow from each other. That is what the church has always been called to be. It's how Jesus lived his life. It's how Peter in Acts became a better leader in the church because he was willing to take this time to listen to somebody whose others would thought never should be part of the story. And his life was changed. The church was changed. Today, my statement to you is very, very simple. Celebrate the teachers in your life, the ones you went to to learn something from and the ones who unexpectedly taught you lessons that shape you today. Give God thanks for them, but even more. 
Claim the gift of curiosity. Claim the gift of humility. Claim the gift of giving mercy and grace to listen, to share. And sometimes you'll discover you become the unexpected teacher for others. <laughs> but you also enter into relationships differently. You see people differently. And in that engagement, there is an opportunity for God's grace to do its work. It doesn't always work, but when it does, it's powerful. And it can bring people together in a way that nothing else can. Today, in the church, we are baptizing four more children. They're coming to us, and we're sharing the vows. You've heard them. You know them. We profess our faith. We ask the parents to profess their faith. We, we say we're going to be here to teach these kids. And that doesn't mean just offering them Sunday school. It means in front of all the children, these four and all the children we encounter, all the youth that we encounter, we hope that we're by our life lessons teaching them what it is to walk a holy walk. The other night I was walking, or excuse me, I was driving through the parking lot pretty late at night, and there were skateboarders here in the parking lot. And it was late, and so I stopped for a second to sort of watch them, and they had a couple of little dogs with them. They weren't doing anything. They were just skateboarding. They were, and I think they were nervous because they saw me watching them. I think they thought I was there to chew them up for being in, in the parking lot. Like I say, they had these little dogs with them. So I said, let me see that dog. So the one came over to the car and let me see your dog. And I'm just talking with her about the dog. And then the others came over and the four of them soon were gathered around my car. We were talking about dogs, talking about roller skating, which I was real clear I knew nothing about. We had a moment to share with each other. And they had a moment in this parking lot to feel accepted and loved after 1030 at night just because they deserved it. They're good kids. They just wanted to roller skate or skateboard. And in that sharing, I don't know, I didn't teach Bible. I didn't teach them theology. But maybe they found that somebody here from this church respected them as kids, as people. I don't know where that will go. It's not my job to control it. But it is my opportunity to share my life with them and others. And they shared their lives with me. We talked a little bit, and it was cool. What God will do again, I don't know. But God can't do anything with opportunities we don't present, we don't enter into. Peter learned from Cornelius one of the most important life lessons he could ever learn, that God does not show impartiality, or show partiality, and that even an Italian centurion could become his teacher. From Cornelius, Peter learned grace, curiosity, openness, and faith. Cornelius became Peter's unexpected teacher, and Peter became a changed man because of it. Who are your unexpected teachers? Who are the ones you need to give God thanks for today? And who are the ones, more importantly, you need to be ready to learn from tomorrow? May God bless us all as we keep our hearts and minds open, deep in faith, but open to what God might reveal next and those around us. To God be the glory. Amen.
You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.